Alright, what's up guys? It's Fantasy Football Analyst, and I'm joined today by Dr. Nithin. And uh, for those of you who don't know, he operates the Fantasy Docs Instagram page. And uh, how, you, how you doing, Nithin? Dr. Nithin? I'm doing pretty good, Joe. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be here. Perfect. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to have you here too, man. I mean, he agreed to help me go over all of the biggest injury questions going into 2019 and when i say help i mean he's just gonna tell me because i'm not a doctor i didn't go to school <laughs> so uh hopefully we got some really good information for you guys tonight um if you guys enjoy this podcast make sure you subscribe and uh share it with your friends leave some reviews but uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we uh, yeah. start going into all these players Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, if you guys are listening, go give Fantasy Docs. It's it's just Fantasy Docs, right? Yep. Yeah. Fantasy so Docs. Fantasy Docs on Instagram. Go give him a follow. Help him get to a thousand followers. He gives a lot of good information, guys. I mean, if you want any knowledge on certain injuries, I mean, we I can sit here and give my best guess, but this is someone who's actually studied sports medicine and stuff like that, so uh, it's more of a surefire answer. So. Make sure you guys go give him a follow, and uh, yeah, I think we're just going to jump straight into it, and I thought it'd be a good idea to go over by position, so we're going to start with some of the biggest quarterback questions, and uh, we're going to follow it up with running backs, so I'm going to try to leave timestamps, so if you guys are listening right now, check the description, I'm going to put timestamps of every single player we talk about, and that way if you guys have questions about certain players, like Todd Gurley is going to be a big one, be a big one we cover later, so uh be on the lookout for that but without further ado let's start off with Carson Wentz who suffered a back vertebral fracture and if I'm not pronouncing any of these injuries right please let me know because like I said I did not get it so and uh Carson Wentz as you guys know he had a couple issues with his back but I'm gonna let you take it from here because that's about all I know
So as far as him being on the field, just to summarize a little bit, there you're saying there's about a 10 to 20% chance that he could have the same exact issue but um, if he's on the field and he's healthy, he's good to go. There's not anything that's going to be hindering. I mean, he may have to be a little more careful. Or yeah, so so these this is an overuse injury, and it's common with quarterbacks because they do a lot of turning as they throw. So it's a lot of curving strain on the spine. Uh, so there's not really anything you can do to lower that chance. But um, it's kind of just. Uh, He's just going to have to recognize his symptoms and monitor them. So he's going to see kind of, it's going to be as tolerated by pain. And basically, with kind of a spondy, um, it's, so NFL players, they have kind of the best treatment. They have the best care. So what they're going to do is they're going to monitor this very closely because they had a little bit of a delay last season and they didn't do the test that diagnoses it definitively until pretty late which is probably why it took him so long to recover from it, because they did the MRI after he had been having these bad symptoms for a couple of weeks, I believe. So that was a little bit interesting, but they won't make that mistake this time around. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's some good information on Carson Wentz, and uh, makes me a little more confident about drafting him, but I do like what you said about getting a decent backup, maybe a high upside backup like Sam Darnold or uh, Josh Allen, someone later in drafts, because this is a very deep, quarterback draft so uh if you guys feel like getting a backup definitely shoot for an upside guy um you can go the safe route if you're in a two qb league i think carson wentz is still someone you want to target but yeah that's comforting to know about wentz it's uh because he's had injury issues for the last couple years but i mean first year what was it a torn acl which is not something that you can really predict and uh, he's already two years past that and now yeah. this back injury. You and know. something that's pretty reassuring about Carson Wentz is that he is known to scramble and he's good at scrambling, but he's a pocket passer. So even though his ACL is probably going to result in a little bit of re- reduced mobility, it's not like uh, it's not as important as say a running back or a wide receiver who's got to juke, uh, run different routes. So that's why I'm not too worried about the ACL. And with it being more than two years out now, that's also pretty reassuring. And uh, just to clarify, when I said a 10 to 20% chance of symptom recurrence, that's even a little bit of back pain or something like that qualifies as symptom recurrence. Gotcha. That's not saying that he's going to have a 10 or 20% chance of having another spondylolysis that's going to take him out for the Okay, that's good to know, too, because, uh, yeah, even if he's having a little bit of back issue, it's not something that could be severe, is what you're saying. Yes, yeah. Okay. But it, it, symptoms, so they might take it easy. Okay. All right, so speaking of quarterbacks who run, let's talk about Cam Newton. Um, he had a labrum rotator cuff slash bicep tear, or was it both? So that was a part of one of my posts that I threw out there, and um, basically it was just throwing out some of the diagnosis that I was running through in my post. Mm-hmm. Uh, he basically had this cleanup procedure that was done on January 24th, following a rotator cuff repair that he had had a year previously uh, in, 2000, in March 2017. So basically, this procedure that he had on the 24th, it wasn't because of a repeat rotator cuff tear, and it wasn't because of a torn labrum, because in an in a athlete that, throw, that relies on throwing the ball, they won't be letting him get back to throwing this early. That's about a 
like, yeah. process it's only a couple months, and then they get back to growing. Um, another option it was is they went in there, they saw some scar tissue, and they just took out that scar tissue and then closed them back up. But um, either way, it's something that I'm not terribly concerned about going forward into this season. The thing that does concern me is that regardless how minor it was, it is his second surgery on his shoulder, on his strong shoulder, in less than two years. So although I still think he's a top 10 quarterback, it drops him out of that top five, six range that I was thinking in more in that eight to 10 range. Okay. Um, one, thing it does, one thing it does do is I think it'll affect his deep throws, if anything. So what that does do is give Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey a slight boost in my opinion because he might be checking down a little more often. Interesting. Yeah, and I think Curtis Samuel may even be a name to think about as well in the slot. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. That's good to know about Cam. Right now he's going in the ninth round, which um, if you are getting a top 10 QB, I mean, he's going past guys like Drew Brees. Uh, he's going past Kyler Murray right now. So, uh, I would definitely take Cam over Kyler Murray. But, I mean, just because I don't know anything about Kyler. <laughs> He hasn't been injured yet, but once he's injured. <laughs> um, so, but with Cam, is this, I mean, obviously he can land on that shoulder with rushing, but I think part of what makes Cam Newton such a good fantasy football quarterback is his rushing ability. So um, maybe he's a little bit more reserved in his runs as other than doing flips into the goal line. But, um, you know, I mean. That's a very good thought. I, I definitely agree with that. I think you will probably pull back a little bit in terms of his uh, rushing ability, especially he's also another year older, and you know, it's hard to keep doing that the older you get in the league. Yeah, so, um, you know, General, what we're trying to say is, or what, he, what he's saying is that Cam, still top 10 quarterback, um, yeah, shul- not, not too, too worried about the shoulder, but it may affect long distance throws, so, you know, be careful of DJ Moore. So a lot of people are high on yeah. DJ Moore. Even if Cam Shoulder was fine, I don't know how I'd feel about DJ Moore. But um, that's that's for another. Between DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, they had almost identical stats last season. Exactly. Going about eight rounds before the other one. And the other the other one's going basically undrafted. I mean, there's there's a yeah. lot of people who are passing a Curtis Samuel. But um, going into the next guy, Marcus Mariota. I mean, I could sit here and list every injury he's had, but uh, <laughs> last year alone, he had the cer- yeah <laughs> the cervical neck stinger, the arm elbow sprain. I mean, I remember in the beginning of last year, they were saying that Marcus Mariota didn't really have feeling in his fingertips. <laughs> Not sure what's going on with him, but um, how do, how do you feel about Marcus Mariota going into the season? He's a tough guy to go over just because he's basically also going undrafted pretty much just due to these injury concerns. So, I mean, I can't really hate you if you throw a guard on him, but I just don't see it. Because even when he's been healthy, he has, I think he's had maybe one good season in the league. Mm-hmm. But um, these stingers, so there's, there's a protocol for cervical stingers. And if you get one, it's fine. You can um, 
Now, the biggest question for Mariota, I guess, for me would be, is there a pattern within his injuries, or is this just is this just a guy that can't stay healthy? There's not really two. So with the fingers and the and the numbness, that's all connected. So that's that's all just one injury. But I mean, sometimes it's just luck. But you notice some people just seem to be super unlucky, mm-hmm. and, and especially after going through all these injuries in your career, it's not easy to try to make that comeback every single year so uh yeah i mean uh, marcus Mariota, hopefully not someone you guys are targeting um I, they did bring in ryan Tannehill. they actually traded for him which was pretty interesting but uh they had to use blaine gabbard a ton last year a lot more than they probably wanted to so i think ryan Tannehill kind of adds that safety behind him although he's a guy who's also dealt with a ton of injuries but that's <laughs> that's that's just the problem they got going in Tennessee. Um, so the last yeah, quarterback I wanted to bring up. kind of risky in general. Yeah, Corey Davis can't really trust. and If they run through Derrick Henry, you could be okay. But uh, the last guy I wanted to bring up as far as quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I mean, from what I know, standard torn ACL is coming off. He did it pretty early into the season. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Jimmy G? So he's someone that I would be fine taking a flyer on at his um, draft position, and I think maybe in the 12th it's looking like. Um, you know, he's he's a quarterback who's suffered an ACL. Like I said before, it's much different than the other positions because they're not required to run as much. They don't require anywhere near the same mobility as the other positions. I think that um, he's, he tore his in the preseason, so he's had, he'll have over his over a year of recovery by the time the season starts. He he tore and, I think uh, it was like one or two games in. It was like two or maybe two or three. I think it was week oh, three. Yeah, sorry about that. No, yeah. sorry. So but yeah, still even so, I mean I think that you should be a fine late flyer. I wouldn't have him as my Q B one, um, but if you're trying to bash uh Q B on the bench or if you're in a QB two Q B league, then I think he's a fine choice. If uh He's kind of a 50-50 on my eyes, so if you choose not to go with them, I think Curtis Samuel and even Adrian Peterson in some formats is going kind of in the similar area. And I think those would be people that I would uh, I'd be fine taking over him as well. All right. So that's going to wrap up the quarterbacks. And so next is the running backs. And uh, there's this big question everybody has going into 2019. Can you guess what it is? You're talking about Jared McKinnon, right? That's who everyone's been talking about this offseason. <laughs> Dr. Nathan's uh, got jokes. Todd Gurley. Yes, Todd Gurley. He's dealing with degenerative arthritis in his knee. Um, that does not sound pretty. From what I know, it's not something that can be cured, more so just managed. But you definitely know a little more than me. So can we trust Todd Gurley in 2019? Who thinks it's not a big issue in his own eyes, by the way. <laughs> So Todd Gurley's situation, and you're hearing, you're hearing a lot of news going around from a lot of sources. People are saying he's getting stem cell injections that are going to get his knees back to his 16-year-old knees, and you know that stuff's just not true. Uh, arthritis is something that does not have a cure. Like you said before, it's something to be managed, and it's something to slow the progression. Uh, it's a degenerative condition, like it says in the name. It's not an acute injury that you get better from it's an injury that just continues to worsen and the best they can hope for is to slow its progression and possibly with some injections reverse it a little bit but 
my opinion, when you're taking your first round pick, you're that's someone who you're trying to hang your team on. That's someone that you think is going to take you through the season, that's going to carry you through the second half of the season, most importantly. And the thing about arthritis is it gets worse as increased wear and tear happens. So I think Todd Gurley is still going to be a back-end RB1, high-end RB2, but I think the days of him being that high-octane game-winner more often than about 40% of your games, I want to say that's over, and I think even if he does start out strong, that risk just increases exponentially as we go throughout the season. So what I would do if you do end up with him is I would wait for him to hit maybe two or three hot games in a row, and then I would try and trade him. But I'm not taking him at the end of the first. Um, I would yearly, so I would probably take him as middle, middle end of the second. And some people are also bashing, saying, you know, he's, he's not going to be any good, and that's also just kind of an extremist view that I don't agree with at all. He's going to be a solid running back, but he's not going to be that same running back we've had in the last two seasons. So, I think um, the best answer to the Todd Gurley question would be maybe a strong start and an increase in risk factor as the season goes on. And so I, I like what yeah. you said about trying to trade him high if he has that hot start. You know, oh, he's back to normal. You don't have to worry about anything. Just take him off my hands. <laughs> um, I'll be practicing a lot of that. But, yeah, I'm with you on Todd Gurley. I think he can be – but you, you know what the biggest thing is? The end of the year just really scares me. I mean um, – yeah. I'm not a huge Daryl Henderson advocate. I do like Daryl Henderson. I'm not saying I don't like him, but I think a lot of people are overblowing his value and taking him really early in drafts. Um, but yeah, I, I think do... he blew up, like he ran well in the American Conference, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, who is he running against in that conference? <laughs> that that's and that's the biggest argument against them about the most explosive, eh, most explosive running back in the country. But who's he running against? So. I mean, I think they re-signed Malcolm Brown for a reason. Um, they matched that offer sheet with a lot of people who weren't expecting them to do. So I think Malcolm Brown is the true handcuff and Daryl Henderson is the compliment. But my biggest thing is as the risk factor increases for Gurley throughout the season, if they're maybe the Rams are looking to make the playoffs, I mean, what were they missing last year in the playoffs? Todd Gurley. They still made it to the Super Bowl, but they really could have used Gurley in that Super Bowl game. So... I think what they do is, if they're on a good start, they try to rest Gurley a little bit more, lower his workload, and try to preserve him for the playoffs. So, playoff, fantasy football playoff-wise, I would be scared to have guard Gurley on my team because you don't know what to expect. It could be any given week where they kind of do what they did with C.J. Anderson last year and take Todd Gurley off the field. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I hope that answers the Todd Gurley question for a lot of people. Thank you very much for that, Dr. Anthony, because that's some valuable stuff right there. Um, Going on to another injury-plagued running back, we're going to talk about Darius Geis. I actually just drafted Darius Geis. I'm in the, I don't know if you've seen it, the uh, Fantasy Throne League. I have. I have been seeing updates on that. And good league to to follow. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're doing pretty well. I like the team we have so far. We were in the seventh round. Our two running backs right now, we have Christian McCaffrey and Mark Ingram. You know, Mark Ingram's not something to get too excited about. 
But the best available running back in the seventh round happened to be Darius Geis. So we did take him. I don't know how I feel about it. I know he's had a ton of issues with this ACL tear. I mean, we've seen the videos of him uh, denying the fact that he's on not on schedule. He blocked me on Instagram, so I haven't been able to see any recent updates. <laughs> but uh, what's your thoughts on Darius Geis going into 2019? So, Darius Geis, he's a, he's a running back, and he has an ACL injury. And I'm mentioning those two obvious facts because there's a reason why I don't target running backs one year after their injury, and um, that's because there is a pretty solid study that analyzes running backs the season after ACL injuries from 1999 to 2015, and it shows an average 50% decrease in touchdowns yards per carry dropped from about 4.5 to 4.1, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a really big deal. It drops them from basically Pro Bowl contention to completely out of Pro Bowl contention. And then most importantly, they've noticed a 30% decrease in fantasy points. And just an example, Mendenhall, Kevin Smith, Ronnie Brown, uh, Keisha Moreno, Dalvin Cook, who I think we'll talk about later. Yeah, who's next? There's, there's two exceptions to this rule, which I think are notable, and it's Adrian Peterson and LaShawn McCoy. So, if you think that uh, Juice is going to be one of those type of players, then, you know, you take a bet on him. But those players, when they had those injuries, they'd already gotten acclimated to the NFL, the increased kind of uh, rigor. And, guys, this is his first season in there. He also was complicated by an infection where they had to flush the joint, which means that it was probably, like, septic injection infection, which is a a pretty severe kind of infection following the surgery. So, I mean, he might be running in practice, and I expect that. I expect him to be well beyond kind of the hobbling ground on crutches. But, I mean, the recovery one year after ACL doesn't look great for running backs on average. That's the reason why I personally am not going for him. Seventh round, you know, that's that's kind of where you start taking those risks, though. So, I'm not going to bash any too much for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't a pretty pick, but... um. One that had to be made. I mean, benefits with Darius Geis. He is projected to be the starter, at least. I know Adrian Peterson's there. He's coming off a 1,000-yard season. But, um, and I mean, also as a player, I mean, in college, he he runs hard. He reminds me a lot of beast mode. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's things to like about Geis and his long-term value. But I think we're both in agreement of... uh, in the redraft scene this year, 2019, we're not really looking to target Darius guys. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but I mean, that's not even factoring that fact that they got Bryce Love. Do you want to touch on Bryce Love real quick? I mean, is he dealing with just a standard ACL tear as well? Yeah, he had, uh, he had an ACL injury, correct? Yeah, so both recovering but i think bright love got his a little later although i don't know the timetable from uh darius geis's infection i don't know how that matches up with both of their rehabilitation although i think um love was a lot i think it was pretty recent it was right up uh, like a month or so before the what is it like a month or so before yeah, march it was, yeah it was really uh he tore it basically in the bowl game pretty much or whatever his last college game was that's when he tore it yeah, so that had to be, like, January. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not targeting him at all, then. There's, yeah, but more so, do you think he could be a threat 
to Darius Geis in 2018. I mean, 2019, sorry. I wouldn't think so, because, um, like I said before, it's usually, at the most conservative estimates, it's, like, I mean, at the most aggressive estimates, it's a six to seven month return, so that puts them at, right now, just getting back into football-related activities, like, um, full speed, mm-hmm. and that's not too much time before the season starts, and I, I mean, like I said before, that's the most aggressive timeline, usually it's more of a seven to nine month with 12 months being the estimated full return to just like that's when they're thought to be in an optimal pool, which like I said before, they're not based on study, but that's technically when they are said to be a full return to score. Interesting. So that puts them at December, and I don't think he's a threat to it, guys. Yeah. All right. So next up, Dalvin Cook. Oof, I have so much fun. From that one conversation I had with you about Dalvin Cook, I've had so much fun telling people he's not injury-prone. Injury prone. And um, ooh, it's it's so great because I think a lot of people are really passing on him. They feel like he's injury-prone. Um, I'll, I'll throw in as much info as I can, and then you can take over from there. But Dalvin Cook had the torn ACL two seasons ago. He came off that torn ACL last year. Um, didn't have enough time to, you know, get ready for the season and fully recover from that injury. And because of that, he got a hamstring strain that nagged him for a little bit until they finally gave him some rest. And once he had some rest, he was good. He was moving and he didn't have an issue, any issues for the rest of the season. So, um, I don't, from what I know, I don't think there's any issue regarding that injury going to 2019. And there's no reason to think he's injury prone. What am, what, what am I missing? Do I have everything there? That's basically it. <laughs> Maybe uh, a little uh, more scientific. You, yeah, you, you encompass it all. Um, so, like we mentioned, he had an ACL tear back in October of 2017, and then less than a year later, barely less than, less than a year later, um, the following September, he missed one game due to a hamstring aggravation, tried to go back in about a week later, which is, so just to give a little bit of breakdown, hamstring strains usually require um, at minimum about a three to four week rest, usually more often a six to eight week rest is appropriate. How often have you ever seen an NFL player sit out six weeks because of a hamstring strain? Almost never. <laughs> and that's why they kind of like, get re-aggravated. Uh, he took a good break after that second hamstring aggravation, sat out the next four games. I think a bye might have been included there too. And then he got back there and like you said, he didn't. He didn't re-injure it after that. And um, the ACL, when you're recovering from that, it puts an increased load on that on that hamstring group because it doesn't want to load that knee too heavily, so it ends up overloading that hamstring, sometimes resulting in a strain. Now, he's had the entire offseason. He's uh, just rest up. He's two years out from an ACL, which, in my opinion, is a huge difference maker. I talked again about one year after ACL not being a good idea. We have someone who's two years out. We have someone who's a young player. I think he's like 25, maybe 26. Yeah, probably even younger. Yeah, he's 20. I'm not, sorry, I can move. Like, he's 23. That is crazy. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is 23. He's an elite talent. He's two years out from the ACL, which hasn't given him any issues. The only thing he's had is a hamstring, which also didn't give him any issues following appropriate rest. I think people are sleeping on Dalvin Cook, and I think someone's going to get a steal. Uh, late in that second round, early in that third round, because everyone else can be too scared to take a guy they think is injury prone. 
except for everybody that's listening to this podcast and everybody that's following you on Instagram. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're going to give you guys an edge, help you get ahead in all your leagues. But so, yeah, Dalvin Cook, not injury prone. I mean, it seems he missed a ton of games the last two seasons, but nothing that coincides with him missing any more time because of those injuries. So good news for Dalvin Cook. Um, maybe not so much good news for Leonard Fournette, a running back that's dealt with the plethora of injuries ever since entering the league. Um, he just can't seem to stay healthy. He had a, I think the biggest thing for him last season was a hamstring injury. Um, what are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette, so he's the one that I take a look at the big picture on, and um, it's, and I just kind of look at an acceptable risk threshold, and he's been. 33% of his games in the NFL since entering the NFL. And that's that's a huge, huge number of games. <laughs> that's, um, that's over two seasons. Wait, 33 games? Yeah. And he always seems to have these lingering injuries that tend to come back. And one of them was a hamstring, which he also strained, returned after only two games, re-injured it again, then missed another four games along with the bye week. After five weeks of rest, he ended up doing all right and returning to play without further issues. So he's kind of someone that I'm looking more at the eye test. I mean, it's just like, if it was just a hamstring strain, I'd say target him. Like I said, he's got top 10 potential. But he's going in the third round. And if you're going to take someone in the third round, probably don't want them missing one-third of their games. So... That's kind of that's my dilemma right there because I think that he tends to have these lingering, recurring injuries, which strike me as a red flag. And you got someone around his same position named Damian Williams who won me my championship last season, who was in uh, explosive offense and seems to be primed to break out. I would go Damian Williams over Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I, mean, I can't. I can't feel comfortable taking Fournette in the third with his injury history. Yeah, and you know, I I think the only argument for Leonard Fournette is um, I think this is turning into more of a passing offense with Nathaniel Hackett. And, um, you know, I I think this is an offense that kind of tried to run through Fournette over the last couple years. I mean, their, their whole offense was just giving him the ball and letting him run through defenses and then just doing it again and again, passing the ball, whatever they can to get him on the field and involved. Yeah, and then he gets hurt from it. And uh, I know there was an issue with Fournette and the ownership last season, so maybe part of that is because they didn't give him time to get healthy. They kept forcing him back into games. We don't really know, but, um, I mean, I think that's the only argument for Fournette. Maybe he won't see as many carries and they'll try to focus more on the passing game. But still, I mean, this is a guy who's had a ton of injuries already and is short NFL career. You said he's missed, like, what, 33 games, you said? 33% of his games. Oh, 33%. Okay. Not 33 games. Uh, I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oof, who's this guy? But, yeah. And uh, if you're taking him in the third round, he's likely going to be your running back two. And uh, you're going to need a very good running back three if you want to pull that off. So, um, probably avoiding Leonard Fournette as well. So, that's going to sum up. Leonard Fournette. I don't know if you've noticed on the podcast so far, but I think my biggest weakness is transitions. It's like I never, I never know what to say after I finish with one guy. I'll be like, oh, okay, and that's all for that. 
But um, <laughs> next up, Devontae Freeman. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I have a list of all of the injuries he had just last season. Uh, a knee bruise yeah. or contusion, which is the fancy word for it. Uh, inguinal, inguinal, inguinal groin sports hernia, a pedal foot bruise. What, what does this mean? What, what am I reading? <laughs> so a pedal foot bruise is a foot bruise. I don't know why they call that a pedal foot bruise. Oh. But they, they're just saying a foot foot bruise. Oh. <laughs> I, see, that's what the website said, so I just copied it down. I don't know if that meant anything. But, okay, so just a foot bruise yeah. there and then a knee bruise. Yeah. So his old leg is bruised. And then his groin is yeah. got a sports hernia. Interesting. Yeah, and bone bruises, you know, those are those are pretty painful. It actually is trauma to the bone, resulting in inflammation and swelling in that bone, and it does take a couple weeks to recover from pain wise. Really? So um, those are chance occurrences. It's not injury prone. It can happen to anyone. It's most likely due to his bruising running style, which he has gone on record saying that he's gonna attempt to change and stop running for those extra half a yard just to get insanely hit, which is probably a good philosophy. <laughs> yeah, um, probably a good idea. But, <laughs> but you know what? Sorry to cut you off here, but Sorry. I just wanted to bring up... So I was walking down my stairs the other day, and I actually slipped pretty badly and landed directly on my elbow. And I'm starting to think I might have a bone bruise because it's been a week or two, and... Uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll have a Q and A after about all my various injuries across my body, but I think I know what <laughs> yeah, Devonte Freeman's going through right now. <laughs> you should, uh, you should uh, send him a message saying that you blocked you. <laughs> I feel you, Devonte. I'll draft you. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So, uh, so the major thing that I'm worried about is that sports hernia uh, that they're talking about, and I don't know why they call it a sports hernia because it's, it's not a hernia it's not anything bulging out of your abdomen which is what people usually think of when they hear the word hernia it's uh actually those thigh muscles that um bring your leg in and sometimes your abdominal muscle near that pubic bone that tend to get frayed or even a little bit torn due to repetitive motion or due to um like a sharp trauma or something like that but usually it's more of an overuse kind of injury. Uh, the way that they pick it up is they take an MRI and they look for basically swelling or fluid collection on that MRI in that muscle area or an actual tear there. And um, it's a common NFL injury that requires surgery. But uh, the, the thing that makes me worry about Freeman is it's kind of that cutting, changing direction at speed that tends to re-aggravate these sports hernias, and that's, that's his entire way of running. So um, I think that that's kind of an issue with that player, and someone that I'm not going to be targeting because of that, and because he's had a bunch of concussions and a bunch of other injuries as well, too, which made me a little bit concerned. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to avoid Devontae Freeman, but I think the biggest thing what you were talking about is uh, how it affects his running style which could make him a lot less more efficient, could cause him to... Do you think it increases his risk to re... I mean, sounds kind of obvious, but it increases his risk for re-injury just because of the way he does run? Just, like, one yeah. cut could, you know, bring all that back? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so like I said before, it's, 
it's that risk of symptom aggravation, not necessarily gotcha. the same injury happening again. I don't think there's a high risk of that happening, but I think his running style does predispose to a chance that some of these symptoms might come back and, you know, might slow him up a bit, take down his yards for carry. And right now he's going for a late second round ADP, and unless he's available in the fourth, I, I don't think I'd go for him. I think um, well, he's going around the same spot as him. So Marlon Mack is going around the same spot as him, Kenny Galladay, and I think those those both are primed to be RB ones and wide receiver ones in their respective teams. Did you talk about Carryon Johnson? Uh, no, it's like Kenny Galladay for wide receiver. He's a wide receiver, but he's going to put up points. I feel, and he's going around the same time. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, <laughs> misunderstood. I do think Carryon Johnson is going to be a piece too. Yeah, and that awkwardly segues my way into talking about Carrion Johnson and I think he oh, yeah there you go but um from what I know he suffered from an MCL tear yeah so uh they never really released what it was specifically that he suffered from but uh he didn't require surgery and his estimated time of return when they gave that report was about a two to six week return because they didn't put him on IR about two games before the end of the season when they weren't making playoffs. So in my eyes, that means that they thought there's a chance that he could come back from the injury, and that's most likely an MCL. Then if it's an ACL, he's on IR right away, and they're mm-hmm. surgery. ACL, then they do that conservative as well, too, but that's a minimum of four to six-week recovery, so he would have gone on IR for that as well, too. Um, MCL, they heal great. They have great blood flow, which makes them different than all the other ligaments that don't have good blood flow and heal a lot worse. And uh, return to play is usually very positive and close to previous performance. Uh, they just started trusting him as a three-down back near the end of the season. And, you know, they signed C.J. Anderson, which I think is fine. I think they're going to use him to spell him a little bit in the beginning of the season. But I think once carry-on builds up some speed, he's going to start taking over late in the season. And I think he's going to be a steal in that seems like third to fourth round place that he's going. Yeah, right now he's going at the end of the third. So, especially in PPR, I mean, um, Theo Riddick is still there, but hopefully he gets phased out a little more this year. But, yeah. yeah he's trying to get traded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Theo Riddick is? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, we'll see. I would, too. I'd be pissed to get bringing on all these guys. Like, what the hell? But, <laughs> um, so, next up. And Daryl Bevel's the another huge part of that. that yeah. And they drafted a, drafted a tight end in the first round. It was great run blocker, too. Yeah. So all good news for Kerryon Johnson. Um, but the MCL is not something you're even remotely worried about. I didn't think what, what you said. It was like a couple-week recovery period. Yeah, the worst MCL tear would take about 10 to 12 weeks, and that's going to be if it's completely shredded. Uh, and even then, in that situation, they usually rehab it conservatively unless it's closer to the tibia as opposed to the femur. Yeah, that's good. So if I ever want to hurt my knee, I know what to do. Um, <laughs> next up, Philip Lindsay, the other rookie running back. Uh, I so I have wrist fracture question mark. I mean, I I tried to look up exactly what it was, but everybody was just calling it a yeah. wrist injury, and a lot of you know there's a lot of speculation about if he actually fractured it or not. But uh, what's your what's your take on Lindsay? Yeah, so. With Philip Lindsay, I think they said that he had some ligament damage as well, too. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Not sure. So what what do you think the so maybe affect his ability to catch the ball as well? So um, ball security, pass catching, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are two of the things that. Mean. And also, a okay. major side effect of these scaphoids is that they have chronic pain as well too, and pain just also reduces the reducibility of holding onto that ball. Now, dynasty wise. Um, is this something that you think will affect Lindsay for just 2019 or is this something that's going to be an ongoing issue for his career? Maybe it'll like lessen throughout, but what would it? Yeah, it should lessen throughout. Um, and if he gets into an opportunity, you know, where he doesn't have too much competition in the backfield, then I think that's great. But dynasty wise, if I'm trying to assign a keeper right now, I don't know how this backfield is going to work out with two healthy running backs right behind him, and one of them is a pretty high draft pick in Freeman. And there's a chance he could just go to the wayside. He was an undrafted free agent, and you know everyone wants to see him succeed. I want to see him succeed as well too. It's a great story, but uh, there's just too much risk there for me. Right. But um, but the risk fracture is not long term. Like after, I mean, long term going into 2019, but 2020 will the risk fracture still be a factor? So the grip strength will still be a factor. Okay. That's, uh, that's somebody that doesn't recover. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll be, they they average it at 82%. So obviously these studies, they're, they're taking the averages of a bunch of players. So there's a chance he could have more than 82%, but graded over a certain amount of NFL players that suffer this injury in regards to running backs. So that's kind of what they notice. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know about Lindsay. And that's going to wrap up running backs. Um, we have some wide receivers and tight ends to go over with, but I wanted to kind of group some guys with the same injury so this podcast doesn't go... What are we at right now? Yeah, we're at about 45 minutes. So um, I'm just going to pair together Will Fuller, Cooper Cup, Hunter Henry. I kind of want to keep Will Fuller on a different list because he's had a new injury every year. But uh, Cooper Cup and Hunter Henry, I mean... Cooper Cup suffered a torn ACL, I think it was like week eight. Yeah. Yeah. About halfway through the season, I believe. And um 
is, I mean, like you said, first year after an ACL tear for running backs, you're not targeting them. First year after for a wide receiver, uh, he suffered it pretty late in the season, which is, I think, my biggest concern. But what's your take on that? So, so with the ACL for wide receivers, studies I was looking at, they didn't really comment on wide receivers too much, so I decided to dig a little bit deeper and check and see how um, wide receivers the year before who torn their ACL had done when they came back. And one of those was uh, Julian Edelman. And he ended up having a pretty solid season, but he also is a PPR monster. And um, that's something that some of these other players are not so much. So I think that impacts a decent amount. I I would just kind of err to the the side of caution, especially since there are some other really good choices in that region as well, too. I think he's going in the third and fourth. I think that it's halfway through the season, so he's got less less than half of the season in return. I mean, less than half of the year. Sorry. Uh, less than a year in terms of returning back from his injury. He's someone that I'm going to avoid. I'm going to take carry on Marlon Mack, Elvin Ridley over him. Okay, but the Cooper Cup, I mean, so not someone you're looking to draft this year, even with how good he started doing last year. Just not someone, you know, the ACL could lead into other soft tissue injuries, sort of like what happened with Delvin Cook last year? Yeah, that's my fear. And, you know, I'm more of a I'm more of a risk-averse person in terms of injuries. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine why, <laughs> being a doctor. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, you do need to take some risk to win your league, and that's, that's definitely true, but I like to go by the numbers, by evidence-based studies in terms of injuries, and I tend to take my risk more so on the talent level and kind of that those kind of risks. So you'll kind of see me skewing more conservatively when I see these major knee injuries, major um, Achilles injuries and stuff like that, especially if I can see other players that I really would want to take that I feel like have less concerning injuries or no injuries at all. So to shorten that up for Will Fuller, who also suffered his ACL pretty late into the season, um, this one's different because Will Fuller – the previous year had hamstring issues and that kind of had him in and out of games and then I think he had some other big injury and then he comes back, tears his ACL and now you're in a similar position as Cooper Cup so uh, what where's Will Fuller even going right now in drafts? I think I have it somewhere here no I don't, I don't have it up with me but from what I've seen I think it's like the 8th, ninth round maybe even a little later, yeah, sometimes a little Fuller. sooner depending on who's in your league yeah, Fantasy Pros had him in the 80s average draft position. So, yeah, like right around that. Um, yeah. Probably like seventh, eighth round, I think. But just easier to avoid Fuller. I mean, especially off ACL, like we were just talking about with Cooper Cup, more prone to soft tissue injuries like hamstring. So, um, just yeah, best and, to avoid in general. Yeah, and another thing is he's just, so he's one year out from his ACL. He, you know, he just hasn't really broke out any of those three seasons. He's only got past 500, like he's barely gotten past 500 yards in two seasons. Touchdown counts have never been stellar. He's never even hit 10 touchdowns in a season. Well, yeah, his, his, touchdown, his touchdown rate that first year with Watson was insane, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, still true. with all the injuries. Yeah. 
it's just, yeah, it's kind of a it's 50-50 with him again. And six or seventh round, you know, or seventh to eighth round. So if you can get him, I would say if you, so I was checking his ADP from some other sites and the team was there saying seven. But if you were seeing ninth round, eighth, ninth round, if I could grab him in the ninth, I'd take a risk on him. Okay. Um, over in that seventh round area, there's people like Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard. Would be better bets. Right. Yeah, I I can get on board with that. I think I think I got him in about the ninth round in uh, another IG Experts league I did. So pretty happy yeah, about that. I, I think he's there. yeah, he's like I think my fifth wide receiver or fourth wide receiver. So just more of an upside okay. guy if he ever plays a game. <laughs> but um, another guy, okay. Hunter Henry, who actually I think he played in a playoff game last year. So it was like a couple months. Yeah. Because he tore his ACL, it was like in July or August, he tore his ACL, maybe even a little sooner, and then he actually came back. (laughs) I don't know how he did that. He didn't do much, but, um, so, I mean, at this point, it's like over a year past the ACL, is this, are you still worried about that for Hunter Henry? So it's looking good for Hunter Henry as opposed to the other ACLs we've talked about. But um, AJ Green, another guy I wanted to bring up. I mean, pulled groin. And see, I I wrote down pedal toe injury, toe sprain again. So not for the pedal and toe, but so a toe sprain and a pulled groin. I think the toe was really what got him late in the season, but um, because he tried to come back and then re-injured his toe.
Definitely, I mean, if uh, A.J. Green goes down, you have the new offense with Zach Taylor. Uh, you hope that it's a little bit more efficient. That defense is still still needs a ton of work, and they don't have a defensive-minded head coach anymore. So, uh, you know, it, it could be a pass-heavy team. So, yeah, definitely a good point about Boyd. But as far as just the injury alone, like you said, there is some, re- some risk for re-injury, but uh, not something you're really really concerned about as far as just that injury alone i mean aj green's been a guy who's had a bunch of different injuries over the years but as far as that specific injury you know you're not too too worried about it yeah no there's some injuries that i get real concerned about in terms of re-injury uh list ranks if not in terms of fractures jones fractures maybe we'll talk about those on a future podcast with some players but um turco is not one of those injuries that i get my hackles up and get concerned about oh this is going to keep on lingering come up later talking about Will Fuller from earlier um, I just got a throne league update fantasy state of mind just took Will Fuller at the 705 so mid to the beginning of the 7th round Uh, interesting interesting we talked about trying to get him in the ninth round I think Alshon Jeffrey is still on the board among other wide receivers so definitely an interesting pick Um, and Alshon Sean, someone that I like a lot, <laughs> especially with Golden Trade gone again too. Yeah, that Golden Trade trade hamstrung my wide receivers last year for a little while. <laughs> Ham? Did you, did you just use the term hamstringed? I love using that hamstring. They hamstringed my team. Oh, because that's that's the biggest thing with fantasy every year. It's the hamstrings. But I, I love that. <laughs> so one more wide receiver I want to go over, um, and then we'll go into two tight ends and end it out. But the wide receiver I want to bring up is Emmanuel Sanders, who late in the season had an Achilles tendon tear or rupture. I don't know. Is there a difference between a rupture and a tear? There probably is. No? Okay. Actually, rupture usually indicates 100%, but you can have 100% Achilles tear as well, too. Oh, okay. See? I knew that. (laughs) No, I didn't. But, um, (laughs) yeah, so either way, an Achilles. Now, as far as, would you rather have an ACL injury or an Achilles? ACL. 100% of the time, ACL. Yeah. An Achilles, and when, when we go over his analysis, you'll see why. Yeah, but um, so what, what do you think about Emmanuel Sanders? Like, I mean, not someone to target at all? Is there a chance he yeah. doesn't play at all? Or is there a chance he can play? But even if he does, he'll have to be careful. Or What, what are your thoughts? I'm not targeting him um, because currently he's actually... I'm surprised he's even um, being drafted. I would think he'd be kind of a pickup after the draft. Is uh, he's currently going in the tenth or eleventh right now, and the Achilles—that's uh, that's that's a, that's a speed. 
So do you think he's done? Like done over? Uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna make it go to this year, and I think his numbers are gonna be significantly reduced. I would. I mean, I might get crucified for this later on in the season, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers drop by half. Wow. Yeah, I mean. A big reason, just looking purely at fantasy value right now, a big reason he was so good last year is because of his connection with Case Keenum and the fact that he played in the slot for a big part of the season, which is the only spot Case Keenum knows how to throw to. But, um, yeah, so even, let's say, if Emmanuel Sanders never tore his Achilles or ruptured or whatever, um, heading into 2019, not not an ideal situation with Joe Flacco. Um so, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of reasons to avoid Emmanuel Sanders as we dive into Greg Olson and Delaney Walker. Uh, which one do you want to go first? I'll, I'll let you choose on these two. I, I haven't let you choose. Uh, I like the, I like both of them, actually, so let's go with Greg Olson. You like, bo- oh, you like, like both of them? <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's probably going to come as surprising because I just talked about how Emmanuel Sanders is on the wrong side of 30. It's true if these other two players. But, uh, but uh, Greg Olson, yeah, so he had plantar fasciitis last year, and it was lingering, it was lingering, and then it ended up completely tearing that plantar fascia, which is kind of this uh, ligament that runs through the bottom of your foot. Well, that, how do you say, say Plantar fascia? Yeah, plantar fascia. And, and for those who don't know, they call it and for those who don't know, that's the foot area? Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like a broad foot ligament. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> For me, if I saw that word, like if I was a, if I was in school and I saw that on the test, I'd be like, oof, I don't know what the hell that is. But, um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, yeah. Plantar refers to the bottom part of your foot, and that's exactly where that fascia is. It's on the bottom part of your foot. It runs from your heel bone all the way to your toes, and it can get pretty inflamed and. Causes a lot of people a lot of issues, and there's a lot of ways to manage it. But the definitive way to manage it is actually a slightly more clean way of what Greg Olson did. When he was on the field, he just completely it just tore. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a way that they would normally do it in the OR, but that is the treatment for plantar fasciitis if nothing else is working. So that's why I'm not terribly concerned about going into the season because the injury he's coming back from is so strangely enough you're saying greg olson benefited from tearing uh long term wise i mean obviously pain and like all that other stuff now but um, as far as 2019 planter fish he's that's not gonna be an issue because he tore it oh hello Okay, <laughs> cut out a little bit there, but uh. Yeah, I tried to play it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and he's going so late too. He's going in the 14th, potentially sometimes undrafted too. I mean, if you can pick, like, if you can pick him up in the 14th or off the waiver wire, I think that's a huge deal because I think he's a potential uh, starting tight end in your team. And if you. <laughs> Add that in the fact what we were talking about before with Cam Newton and that he may not be able to throw it deep anymore. And then he's, I mean, Greg Olson has been Cam's number one target uh, pre Christian McCaffrey. But uh, 
Yeah, so there's a chance. I mean, what you're saying, he could be a steal in some drafts, so that's interesting. Yeah. But uh, what, now, aside from Marcus Mariota just being awful um, <laughs> and just, like, having all these injuries, what's your take on Delaney Walker's health? I'm not going to, you know, fantasy value, I mean, even if he was completely healthy with Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and other factors, the fact that they're running through Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota can't stay healthy, um, probably not targeting Delaney Walker for those reasons. But health-wise, what can we expect from Delaney Walker? Coming off a ankle fracture, um, was it fractured and dislocated? Yeah, so it was uh, yeah, dislocated ankle fracture. And what that pretty much is is there's different severities of ankle sprains uh, depending on how much that ankle gets twisted. And pretty much the mechanism is it got twisted real bad. And it twisted so badly that it most likely fractured that fibula, which is that outside smaller bone, and then tore the connective tissue between the fibula and the tibia, which are those two lower leg bones. And um, that sounds super painful, and it is super painful. <laughs> and it does require surgery, but it does have good healing outcomes from that. Um, the fibula on those regions, and we usually see a pretty good recovery from those. And that's one of the reasons why I like Delaney Walker going in the 12th, 13th round. I think he's uh, another solid late round throw just to stack up on those tight ends. And I think they can also pan out to be, um, to be a, pretty good, a pretty good value because he's, every season he's been healthy, he's been, uh, I think I believe, a top 10 tight end and possibly tight, top 5 tight end in some of those seasons. All right, and that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. There's a lot of good information on here. Big, big thank you to Dr. Nithin for joining me. Um, if you guys aren't already following him, make sure you do on Instagram at Fantasy Docs. Uh, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, thanks a lot for having me on the, on the podcast show, and I hope we can continue to do, do this further. And, yeah, uh, all vandalists, audience you know he's got great content and hopefully you guys think i have some great content too and you can throw me a follow okay yeah sounds good i hope you guys do i mean let's get him to let's try and get him to a thousand dollars so we can all thousand dollars a thousand followers so we can see his credentials <laughs> and then he can make some money but uh <laughs> but yeah thank you so much for having me on um I'll see you guys in the next podcast it's probably going to be a mock draft podcast but i'll keep you guys updated on that And we'll see you later.